afternoon. Good evening. This is Dove Tuzman, and you're back on Equal Footing. Happy holiday season. Tonight's show is called The Price of Love. Queen Elizabeth was quoted as once saying that grief is the price of love. When we love fully, we also experience loss fully. The end of the year, the end of a time, talking about a death of sorts, the death of 2022, moving into a new period. We're going to tackle the loss at a much, at a personal level tonight of loved ones. Yes, the death of loved ones sometimes and most perhaps tragically and shockingly, the unexpected or sudden death of loved ones. Also loss in other forms. Sometimes we see a loved one lose physical or mental capacity, even be incarcerated or remanded to a facility of some type. There are all sorts of forms of loss. Sometimes we have loss that seems like it's in a more minor form, but can also be incredibly impactful, the loss of a time in our life, the mourning of a relationship, a separation, the loss of a place moving from a childhood home, loss of a beloved pet, all sorts of forms of loss. A topic that I think gets talked about too programmatically, We'll get, we'll talk a little bit about the program. I'm sure many of you have heard of the five stages of grief and, you know, punditry on how to handle loss, but it's an incredibly individual path. And it's a path maybe that's, if there's any solace to be had, it's, it's that we have all traversed it or will traverse it. It's one of those things that we, lean into on this show, talking about the most difficult parts of our lives, times, how our spiritual life interfaces with the pain sometimes of real life. Joined by two courageous guests tonight, opening up on this very raw subject. The first is actually a, a second timer here on Equal Footing. He was on a couple of years ago on a totally different topic, and tonight getting much more personal. Ricardo Sidale, I consider Ricardo a colleague and a friend. More importantly, a friend. Ricardo is a business leader. His many years of global experience transforming visions and ideas into reality. He's also a civil engineer. He has a track record of organizational turnarounds, building high-performing business teams, fundraising, leading mergers and acquisitions for companies around the world. Ricardo is currently based in Austin, Texas, but he's led businesses in the U.S., Latin America, and Europe. He's a trusted advisor to many. He's an expert negotiator. He's adept at establishing partnerships in business and influencing diverse groups of individuals. I can attest to that. I've We've been friends for uh, going into decades now. I guess i got going in a couple decades. Ricardo is a naturally curious person. He's not afraid to take risks, find creative solutions to complex problems, whether it be work or personal. And this is one tonight. Ricardo is willing to open up a little bit about the loss of his father this past year and the jarring experience he's had with his sister just over the last uh, couple of weeks. Ricardo, welcome to Equal Footing. Thanks for being on. 
Dove. I'm glad to be on the show. Ricardo, you're joined by Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi. I should be able to pronounce that word, right? You, regular listeners know that I'm mushmouthed. Rabbi Andrew Sklars. First time on the show. Really great to have Rabbi Sklars on. Upon his ordination from the Reform Movement Seminary, the Hebrew Union College and Jewish Institute of Religion in New York, Rabbi Andrew Sklars, who has many initials after his name, he's also a master of social work and has various uh, academic credentials. He went to the Reform Temple of Putnam Valley. He received his MSW, his master's in social work at Fordham University, ultimately worked with clients at the Mead Counseling Center in Greenwich, Connecticut. Rabbi Sklars is devoted, devoted to pastoral counseling and interfaith work. He served, and this is very uh, in line with tonight's program, he serves, served as a chaplain at a variety of hospitals. He was profoundly influenced by his work with cancer and AIDS patients, in particular at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Rabbi Sklars is the recipient of a variety of award, awards for his work. He's authored chapters as well in books, including Broken Fragments, Jewish Experiences of Alzheimer's Disease, and moving on, relational care A to Z, we are our other, we are our other's keepers, and finally life, faith, and cancer, Jewish journeys through diagnosis, treatment, and recovery. That last book was showcased in the film, The Journey, a survivor story, and was a recipient of the Israel Cancer Research Fund's Hero Award. Rabbi Andrew Sklars, welcome to Equal Footing. Thanks for joining. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here tonight. Ricardo, I'm going to get, give you a chance to gather your thoughts and talk about your personal experience. And Rabbi Sklars, let's get the the programming, so to speak, out of the way. When when people talk about the loss of a loved one, there's often a reference um, to a, a Swiss American psychiatrist considered one of the greatest thinkers of the 20th century, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler Ross. She wrote the, the seminal book on death and dying in the late 1960s. She talked about the five stages of grief and, and really helped kind of set a framework for people to think about, I guess, let's say healthy or that's a, such a charged word, um, ways that we deal with loss that ultimately arrives in a, in a healthy place in our lives. And I know that that work has evolved a lot. You may not necessarily agree with it, but could you outline for our listeners, what are the five stages of grief Grief, classically thought of? Sure, I'd be happy to. And I, and I think, though, um, where Kovler-Ross really put this, this framework, um, everything is fluid. So where one may begin in one stage and travel to another there may be experiences of going back and forth depending upon the different variables that enter into our lives. But we start with the first stage, either if we learn of, of the death of somebody or, or an imminent death or a diagnosis or our own diagnosis saying, no, this can't be happening. We're, we're in absolute denial. I, I, I just can't believe it. It's, it's not going to be. And as it starts to sink in, it's often met with with a sense of anger and rage. Why is this happening? I'm a good person. I don't deserve this. Why, God, are you doing this to me if you believe in God? It's not fair. There's, there's no justice if I'm getting this or if somebody I love is about to die. And then there's, as we're all familiar with that expression, 
There's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. We start to bargain. And I think we all know this. We've all faced times in our lives, even if we profess not to believe in, a, in, a, in God or, or, or any sort of a deity, that we think, well, maybe there's a way to bargain. Maybe if I do this, it will influence the cosmos. It will change things. And from there, there's probably the, the hardest piece, which is the depression, which is leading towards an acceptance. But there's that heaviness. This is real. This is happening. This will happen. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, with the prayer, I would say there's an acceptance that this is taking place. What do I do with it now? How do I make meaning and purpose out of this very, very painful and, and perhaps tragic situation in my life? How do I embrace it? And, and that's really the acceptance. And, and as I said, most importantly is to try to find some meaning and within that process, feeling a sense of solace with that. Thank you, Rabbi. Yeah, this, this pioneer in study on death and dying, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, you outlined her uh, schematic for thinking about grief, denial, and then anger, and then bargaining, and then depression, and then ex- finally acceptance. And to be fair to her work, and this may be a little bit more in line with your thinking based on some of our pregame conversations, Rabbi, Dr. Ro- Kubler-Ross also said famously, our grief is as individual as our lives. So each of these journeys is, of course, individual. Ricardo, brave of you to be on the air. Really appreciated. Your father died a horrible death with cancer earlier this year. You almost lost your sister, Gianna, this past Friday. She's still in the ICU, 6,000 miles away. What has been if you are okay sharing your individual path of grief this year? Well, Dov, let me start by saying that, you know, on Friday, uh, as I received the news from very surprising news because nothing was happening until it was happening that my uh, my sister Gianna who is only 11 months younger than me um, was in you know in her last breath um, at the intensive care unit in a hospital down in in Brazil with severe pneumonia that had spread through her body and the first, you know, the, as, as I read that, the first it was, I, I just couldn't believe there was something wrong with that text. I mean, that, that could not be true, but that lasted only a few seconds. And, um, and then this intense sadness came to me, which is very different of what I felt, you know, compared to what I felt with my father, with my uncle, and we'll talk about that in a minute here, where I wanted to get control. I wanted to say, okay, it's time now to muster my 
you know, my my skills, my my, my resources, and, and 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 fight this disease, fight the situation because I will prevail. You know, we'll rule everything. There's a solution. I grew up with. You know, I'm a son of immigrants. I'm an immigrant myself. You know, there's a solution for every problem. There's nothing that an you know that an immigrant can't do. And well, except for that. Right, so the experience with my dad, which started with you know let's get busy, let's let's you know let's resolve the situation, showed me that the end I lost. I lost. He died. He died a, a horrible death, and we'll talk about it in a minute here. But you know that feeling of of failure, of of of, of loss, of, of of your life being interrupted, his life being terminated. All came back in a half a second on Friday, and that's why I, I feel the way I feel right now. Because part of that's still here, because I, you know, I felt that that, that was possible. There was, you know, there were things that, were, that had no solution, and um, and it was going to happen again, you know, with me and with us and with the family, and 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 I hadn't even started to grieve yet, and here I was losing, you know, another loved one. Ricardo, in some of our pregame conversations, you were gracious enough to share the different reactions to your father's death, including the relief that he was through the pain. And I think a lot of us have experienced this in my own life with the loss of a loved one. You have this, there can be a sense of relief that I at least felt somewhat guilty about at the time. I'm speaking here specifically about my grandmother but she was, uh, there was so much disconnection from the world at the end. She had very advanced dementia and other health issues that it's, it, it, it seemed that there was a type of, of suffering. There was a type, uh, there was relief or no. I don't know whether I should have felt that or not, but we often feel that as well. Rabbi, one of the, one of the advancements, I guess, in research around death and dying that's, that's uh, been provenant from, uh, Dr. Kubler Ross's work has been the addition of disorganization to those reactions that you feel around denial and anger. And, and, uh, some, some people talk about like grief brain about not, not being able to just like balance a checkbook or even just do basic tasks and your coping skills go away. Uh, Ricardo, you seem to have a different reaction of wanting to fix it. That's natural too. Um, before we go to our first break, Rabbi, is there, is there, are there other types of reactions that maybe a listener is thinking, oh, I feel weird that I, have I felt that, um, when a loved one died? Um, I'm embarrassed or I feel guilty about that. Are there, are there other types of reactions that we should be aware of? Well, well, first of all, thank you, Dove. Um, I want to just reach out to Ricardo, who I've yet to formally meet, but I want to just extend that my heart is with you and, this journey that you're going through. I, I, the truth is our journeys are all so different. We, um, we bring our own baggage into whatever the situation is. I remember years ago when I, I was a chaplain at Sloan Kettering, I, um, I saw people and I met them with their diagnosis, but I also realized that they brought in the room not only what the doctor told them they currently had and whatever the the treatment or prognosis might be, but whatever they had been 
when wearing, and when I say wearing, whatever had been a part of them for all the years of their lives. So there's always, you know, a host of different variables that go into it. But I think, you know, as you said, a disorganization of the brain, there's, there's a host of different responses. And I think a very realistic response is at times when there's a prolonged illness of, of a loved one and we see that there's just a, a deterioration in the person that it's very normal after the person passes to maybe feel a sense of relief. And it, it shouldn't be met with a sense of guilt. Um, on the contrary, and I'm not going to say it should be joyous, but it should be uh, a feeling of of almost calm because that person has journeyed a very challenging, at times painful journey. In the case, for example, of, of Alzheimer's or dementia, we see um, a slow or sometimes a rapid deterioration of the mind. And the person is no longer the person that we knew. And in that case, after the person passes, you can celebrate who that person was before going into that dark place. And certainly the same thing can be said if someone is suffering with with a painful illness. So I, I would always offer to people with whom I work to express a sense of, of guilt and maybe almost an anger with themselves for feeling that sense of relief that, on the contrary, they deserve it just as the, the other person suffering deserves that relief. And that it's, it's very human and very normal and very comforting, and we need to give that to ourselves without any feeling of, of, of punishment whatsoever. Indeed. Participate in this conversation, please, about death and dying confronting and overcoming the loss of a loved one. You can share your stories live on the air if you'd like, or ask a question to Rabbi Sklar, share your experience of pain with Ricardo Sidale here on the line. The, the number for live participation is 718-303-9090. We'd love to hear from you. 718-303-9090. You don't have to say your name on the air. Such a sensitive subject. If you'd like, you can, but you don't have to. If you want to be even more anonymous, you can also text in a question or comment on this difficult issue to 917-428-4062. That's for not for calling, please, for texting or WhatsApping. A comment or question to 917-428-4062 on overcoming the loss of a loved one. We'll be right back. I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend Equal Footing is brought to you in part by DocuVax. You've heard me talk about DocuVax before. It's a wonderful tool. To organize you and your family's, your and your family's medical records. So many of our medical records are disorganized in all sorts of different places held by different healthcare providers or insurance companies. It belongs to you 
And if you have your medical records well organized, you can get more efficient, cheaper, and often more effective medical care. Download DocuVax. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X. You can get it on your Android or iPhone in the App Store. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X. Not just for vaccines, though. It covers 60 different important elements of your medical profile. From flu, tetanus, COVID vaccines, etc., but also preventative screenings like colorectal and breast cancer screenings, blood type information, allergy information, MRIs, etc. It's easy to get all this information in one place. Just download files or pictures or even link to an existing medical records program. It's only $6.99 per month. You can save back a year or two years of subscription to DocuVax just with one specialist referral without having to go through a general practitioner. And how do you do that? Because if you're a DocuVax subscriber, medical professionals, doctors and nurses are on call for you 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, your blood tests, or anything else in your locker. So you either go to DocuVax.com or download the DocuVax app on your smartphone, that's D-O-C-U-V-A-X, and organize your medical files. Get reminders on when you need to be up to date in a particular vaccine, blood test, or an important preventative screening. Take control of your medical file. Sign up for DocuVax. And if you want a group discount because you run a small business or you're a community leader, you want to give people a discount for getting on board with this important tool, You can do so by calling 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. You can only get discounts to DocuVax if you mention that you heard about it on equal footing. So one more time, that number is 833-859-1933. All right, you're back on Equal Footing. We're here with Rabbi Andrew Sklars and entrepreneur Ricardo Sedale. We're talking about loss, loss of a loved one, and how we confront that and deal with it. Guys, before the break, we are talking about different reactions to loss, whether it's denial or anger, resentment, sh- uh, disbelief, dis- a disorganized mind, sometimes called grief brain. You know, we've picked some music this week to tie into different reactions. That first song was Fire and Rain by James Taylor probably know it and it's again talking about the death the death of a loved one and it's a sudden death it's unexpected he hears about in the morning she died overnight it seems in the lyrics and there's a questioning of why why did this happen now and talking to god about it it's a very moving song um ricardo how does that resonate to you? We're going to play some different songs, but song it's, it's been a popular subject for songwriting over the years. I imagine the centuries in this topic. Did you, did you question God? Did you, have you, did you ask why the death, with the death of your father and this, this very perilous experience with your sister? Does that resonate with you? Uh, yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. You, um, you know, it, more so in the sense, I didn't question God because my father died. I questioned why so much suffering? Why so much pain? Why I couldn't do more? 
you know, I was not happy, you know, to, you know, to understand with God at that time. I was very upset. My father, the, the week preceding, you know, his passing, he he suffered a lot. It was during COVID. He was in, you know, of course, in the ICU, the hospital, at the terminal cancer. His organs were starting to fail, and they had him tied to the bed. And we only had to make things worse. The family only had, could only see him for one hour, one person, one hour per day. So imagine the suffering, not not his suffering, which was enormous, but also the family of wondering, you know, uh, what was happening and not being able to see him, to touch him, to to have to depend on just one person out of many to go and and bring back news. I remember the last time I saw was not the last one that saw him, but my sister was. But I remember him being tied there, and and I remember my effort. you know, as I looked his eyes, he was very there. He was very conscious. You know, he, although he was, he had so many different drugs in him, I could see that he was. You know, he didn't understand. He he was in pain, and and I tried to touch his legs and and his arms, places that I could find skin in a desperate. In a desperate move, in a desperate attempt to communicate, to, to show how loved he was. And um, it was very painful. So, no, I was very unhappy with God. I do not, I did not know God acts in mysterious ways. I did not understand, I still do not understand that mysterious way. Having said that, pause, you know, it was different with my sister. And, and by the way, I want everyone to know that's listening to us that my sister is still in the ICU, but she's doing much better. Thank God. Rabbi, I was talking to my uh, uncle. Uh, before the show about, uh, deaths in the family. I also spoke to my father earlier in the day and we were talking about reactions similar to what Ricardo so beautifully and vulnerably just expressed. And in, in, to translate, I guess, into Jewishness or Jewish thought, it would be almost like, what's the opposite of Shehianu? You know, Shehianu is the prayer, the, the thanking God for keeping us alive, for sustaining us. The prayer we often do, you know, is a blessing, I should say, to celebrate special occasions. But what's the opposite of that? How do we interface with God? What's the blessing when we're angry with God, where when we just can't understand? And I resonate deeply, Ricardo, with what you just said. If not, why the death? We all understand death is part of life. Why the suffering? Judaism, if it doesn't command, it deeply encourages us to have a very active relationship with God. And when I I say that, it goes beyond formal prayer or liturgy or rituals or rites, but to dialogue with God question um to question God to ask 
why certain things take place, why events that are just beyond our comprehension take place. And it's, it's very personal um, for each one of us. The answers will be contingent upon who we are, our understanding of God, and how that relationship has developed. So I'd like to share a personal piece from my life, if I may. 21 years ago, I was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. And it's a very interesting story because, um, as you mentioned, I had been a chaplain when I was in rabbinical school at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and I worked with many, many leukemia patients, many of whom, um, after chemo and radiation, which is certainly no walk in the park, would undergo a bone marrow transplant. And... Um, there were successes. A success meant that somebody lived, may have had profound side effects and, and possibly lifetime side effects, and, of course, the heartache when people were um, not successful and, um, and, and died afterwards. Um, a number of years later, I was a young father. I had a six-year-old and a, and a one-year-old, and um, out of the clear blue sky, I was diagnosed with leukemia, and um, I battled. How could God do this to me? Was I being punished? You know, and that's often a question that people ask. Am I being punished for some terrible misdeed? Um, I also had worked with, when I was at, at Sloan, with a, a number of AIDS patients. And the idea of punishment was being thrusted in them, their faces by, unfortunately, um, many people. I won't go into necessarily, you know, the, the groups, but there were those who said, God is punishing you and you deserve this. And there were many who internalized it and, and felt that they were being punished. Um, so back to me, I questioned, did I deserve this? Maybe all my life I had tried to do what I believed to have been the right thing. Maybe as a rabbi, it was nearly a fraud. Maybe I was, maybe I was a terrible person that deserved this. And I wrestled and I, and I looked for a theological answer and I, I, I looked to those who I believed to um, to have had sage advice and wisdom and could give me answers, and nobody could. It was for me to confront God and to do that. Now, I was very blessed because um, shortly after diagnosis, although it seemed like an eternity for me when you um, have something like this, days being like months, and months seemed like years of just the pain of trying to cope with it. And there was a medication that had been fast-tracked through the FDA. Um, it was given to people as a last recourse who were dying, who had explored every treatment option and didn't work, and they lived. And it had just gone through, and I was able, and it took a lot of fancy footwork to get this. But essentially... I was being told that I was playing Russian roulette with my life because 
there was a standard treatment, but I didn't have a match for a bone marrow transplant or this new drug that was just off the experimental track. Rabbi, thank you. And I opted that you that you got. Sorry, we need to go to our next uh, to our our second break. But I th- thank God you you got that treatment and you're here with us. Sure, I think that the the point. Doug, around- let me just let me let me just finish my last line. My point is that as it's also individual, I had to have that dialogue with God, and I was searching for meaning. And I had to have a re- feel that there was a reason. And through this, A, the, the, the torture of the diagnosis, and then the miracle of this drug, I was able to, to further that dialogue with God and see that there was a reason why all this ensued. Beautiful. We're, we're going we're gonna to take our next break. We're going to come back on that note, talking about death and dying, confronting and overcoming the loss of a loved one. We're here with Rabbi Andrew Sklars and entrepreneur Ricardo Sidale. You're on equal footing. The number again to participate. I know we have a caller waiting on the line is 718-303-9090. That's live. And if you want to text a comment or question, we'll get to a couple of your comments and questions already after the break. That's 917-428-4062. And we'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. I've been caught. You're back on equal footing. Boy, that was the the right note to go out with there, Rabbi Sklars, because you talked about in your journey being diagnosed with leukemia around the the reaction of why me, uh, or why, maybe you didn't say why me, but why why is this happening? Ricardo, you talked about that, the dialogue with God about, you know, why this suffering with your father's death. Well, that that last song that we played, which was uh, the Jim Carroll band, that's uh, People Who Died, the, long, the sign is a litany of friends of his who died, and you can feel the anger uh, kind of dripping in every word of that song, sense of injustice, um, then anger, and that's a common uh, reaction. It's a, and for, for listeners who have gone through or are going through uh, grieving and mourning, don't beat yourself up. If you're angry with God, if you're angry with each other, each other even in a family support system, you feel resentment. That is a common natural, and I even would hazard to say I'm not a psychiatrist, a psychotherapist, but I think normal um, response. I, w- we've had a couple of listeners um, 
who have talked about loss in other forms. And so I'm going to kind of condense a couple of these comments because I think I'd, I'd like to ask both of you about them. Uh, one listener talks about having a son um, who's had serious mental health issues and is now incarcerated. And this is something very dear to my heart, as listeners know, this this topic. And uh, she uh, talks about how that loss is ongoing. Um, in a certain sense, she thinks death is easier because death happens, you deal with it, you have to move on. But when you have someone close to you who's lost in a different way, uh, it's a constant triggering of pain and grief. Um, Ricardo, does that resonate with you in, in the experiences you've gone through? You talked about getting triggered again, in a sense, um, with your sister's experience. Thank God she's with us. Do you think de- is 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 death the worst form of loss? Uh, th- this is a huge answer, and it's a very personal one. You know, my heart goes to the, the listener uh, whose situation you just described. I I can't imagine. I'm here, I'm here trying to think. You know, how I can say something that's that's uh, that's helpful. What I can say is that um, going back to you know. To, to the story uh, and to what Andrew said a minute ago, uh, my dialogue with God on Friday resumed, right? So not a year later, I was saying, are you doing this again? Are you going to do this again? And, 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 and I am saying just not, yes, when she went to the ICU, are you going to do this again? You know, not only, uh, I don't understand why you did it last time, you're going to do it again. You know, so there's mixed feelings. Is Are you going to do this again to to everyone, to her, to me, to why, why the suffering? And, you know, I, I think that the positive about that, Dev, is that it graduated my conversation, my dialogue with God. Of course, you know, God is God and in infinite wisdom and so on. But I feel like I graduate. I feel that I had the right to to ask that. And um, in in many ways, you know, many people that saw when my sister improved from you know from Friday to Saturday when when they they gave us some very powerful drugs, and by Sunday she was much better. You know, many people uh, texted to me, this this was a holiday miracle. You know, different faiths, friends of different faiths, they all converged into the word miracle. And and um, I, I feel that, it, to me, it was, it, was, it was similar to that, but it was more like he's answering me. You know, maybe he wants to retake that dialogue, to continue that dialogue, and it's a way... F- to show me that life is not simple, it's complex, and and I need to have faith. I was just... I was to... so... De- Go ahead, Ricardo. I think I was so devastated on Friday that my faith was reborn automatically. It's, it's almost like I had no choice but go and ask him for help again so in many... the mid. So it was... It... I, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. Go ahead. No, that, 
that that was it. I, I think it was a mixed, you know, mixed feelings. You know, one side you're upset, the other side you're asking for help because you know that's the only source. You know, everything starts and stops there. You know, there's the asking for help from God, and there's also the asking for help from your support system of your friends and and family. And I was really moved in the research prior to this show to seeing that many. Uh, chaplains and people that are close to death and dying professionally. I don't know if how you feel about what I'm about to say, Rabbi Sklar, I want to put it on the table. Talk about the determinant um, to a uh, healthy or uh, 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 to overcoming uh, grief and moving to the other side. It's always with you, but moving to the other side and um, effectively coping is not your faith in God or your quote-unquote resilience or even the quality of your psychiatric care and so forth, but the coalescence around the primary determinant being a good support network and particular, particularly friends, you know, it's, it, and there were, it was moved, especially for anybody who wants to look this up. There's an article by Mary Andrew. It's M A R I Mary Andrew. And she writes very beautifully about her chaplaincy work and talks about the first things come up already in this show First, the need to say, I don't know. I don't know if God exists. I don't know the pain you're going through. I don't know what your diagnosis means. Being willing to say, I don't know to people in pain, going through the overcoming loss of a loved one. And the second being the importance of friends reaching out and supporting you, giving you love. Do you agree, Rabbi Sklars? What are the determinants in your view uh, for well, a healthy overcoming of, of loss? Well, Dove, it, would you mind in, in synthesizing my answer with that if I responded to your caller as well? Sure. Because I think that that might help. First of all, you know, again, I want to extend to your caller that my heart is there, of course, with you. But there's also mourning and grief for not only disappointment, but changes in expectations for what we have. When we have children, we envision who they will be, how they will conduct their lives, what will ensue. And we have these mental pictures in our lives. Sometimes they come to fruition, sometimes greater or or differently than we envisioned. And that goes for our own lives and our own careers and our, our marriages and our relationships. Um, but the but it also doesn't mean if it if there's a sense of disappointment that that's necessarily the end. It's a question of how we work with it. And you know, the the, the situation with her son is is really paradigmatic of this because it's not what she anticipated. He's obviously struggled greatly with with mental health, and now he's incarcerated. And there's all sorts of things that that surround that, the disappointment, the shame. Unfortunately, there's social stigma in our society, which which we wish could be removed and, and maybe in time will dissipate. But there's coming to terms with, okay, so this is the reality that's right in front of me. What do I do with it? Now, fortunately, in this case, he's still alive, and there's opportunity. The person he is today may not necessarily be the person he is tomorrow. Maybe he'll have that treatment. Maybe he'll have the therapy. Maybe there'll be a, a breakthrough psychiatric medication that will 
be able to help them transform. So there's the, the need for optimism, for hope, for a sense of light within the darkness, which, you know, once again is so inherent in the Jewish tradition, needs to prevail. I'm not sure if I directly answered your question or if I deviated from it, but I, I wanted to be able to offer that to your listener. No, you did synthesize that, the, 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 the role of, of optimism and light in the darkness. We're going to take one last break. We'll be back with Rabbi Andrew Sklars and entrepreneur Ricardo Sidale talking about death and dying, overcoming the loss of a loved one. Callers on line four and five. Please be patient. We're going to get back to you right after the break. We'll be right back. I know you're still living your life after death. Equal Footing is also brought to you by Mechanical Art Capital. We've talked about this before as well. Mechanical Art Capital gives you cash for your collection or your inventory if you're a dealer of timepieces, watches. They've become much more valuable over the years. You can unlock the cash value of your watch inventory or your watch collection by downloading the Mechanical Art Capital app on the App Store on your Android or iPhone. That's Mechanical Art Capital three words. You get a free appraisal for your watches or your watch collection and that's both free of charge and useful for your insurance, etc. And then overnight, if you want, you can get cash for those watches without even selling them. It's financing against their value. You can also call Mechanical Art Capital for their one to two day financing program for watch collectors and watch dealers. The number is 833-209-0972. Be sure to mention you heard about an equal footing and get a free subscription to the app. That's 833-209-0972. And finally, you can go to their website, mechanicalartcapital.com. I've been calling, but I'm keeping on, keeping on I've been told... I promise we'd weave in the music more in the show. That last song was... Uh, what is it? P. Diddy, Sean Combs, Puff Daddy's gone different names over time. A song about, uh, the notorious B.I.G. and his memory. And in his reaction to loss, he's celebrating. He's celebrating his talent. He's celebrating his love for the world. He's celebrating his mentorship. These different reactions that we've seen. One is questioning God, another anger, uh, and another being a form of joy or joy in remembrance all through song. Callers, let's get to a caller on line four. Line four, can you hear me? Hello, Dove. Happy Hello. New Year. Hello, Happy New Year. It's Stan. How are you? How's it going, Stan? I wish you Happy New Year, you and your family, first of all. Thank you. Ditto. That's important. That's important. Anyway, uh, my question is to the rabbi. Okay? And, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the same divine being that, that I felt so bad for this gentleman who called. He was, why is my father suffering? Well, I'll tell you why he's suffering. He suffered because he had a disease. The body has diseases. The same divine being that you love and worship supposedly and care about is the same divine being killing your father. 
If you believe in God, a divine being, it's the same thing. Why are you, you ask them, why are you doing this? Why are you letting him suffer? Well, it's a great question. But that dichotomy and the hypocrisy is right in front of you. So what's your question for the rabbi? Answer it, rabbi. What? It's the, it's the contradiction of all. The same person that supposedly loves you is killing you. How do you how do you deal with that, Rabbi? How do you see the contradiction? Well, great question. Sure. For, one of the prime questions of, of faith. Uh, theodicy. Sure. I, I just want to make one minor correction be, uh, or uh, uh, adjustment because I don't view God as a person, and I don't think that God is necessarily perpetrating things upon us. Um, I think there's a variety of ways to look at it. Certainly, with illness, we can bring illness upon ourselves in ways we don't know. There are environmental factors. There are emotional factors. We, we may not necessarily be caring for ourselves. And then there are things that come out of the clear blue sky that are inexplicable. And I think that's also how, how we have to view the world in which we live. There is a great mystery to this universe. We think we know how babies are conceived, but we have no idea what creates that human being with the spirit, with the mind, with a way of being. There are answers, and you go back to the book of Job, when Job turned to God and said, why is this happening? And the answer is, there are just certain things that are beyond human comprehension. I can't necessarily say why somebody is, I'll use the word, afflicted, and because I'm, I'm intentionally doing that in light of, of, of the way you presented things. But why, let's say, why a person develops an illness. But the question is, how can we make meaning through that? What can we do to work through it, not only to process it, but do better as a result? I want to get to another, another listener's question on that note, Rabbi, that is about their, their process of, I don't know, finding meaning, but, um, but at least figuring out how to react. Uh, and this is directed to you, Ricardo. Um, this listener says that they just lost their brother and he, th- I want to thank the guest for crying. I have been trying to and I can't cry. I finally cried a little bit with him. So, um, and I guess I, I it won't, I don't, it sounded like you were choking up. I'm not sure exactly what was going on there, Ricardo, before one of our breaks. But I know you in other facets of life to be this very, at times, um, you're a very strong person. And I imagine it was also kind of a, a, a strong, I don't want to, let me try not to dig a deeper hole. H- how has crying been um, part of your reaction or an important part of their Healing? Do you crying enough? Are you not crying? Are you crying too too little? The crying is very important to me, and it's not something that I control. I think it's a survival skill that was built, you know, within. And um, and I was talking to to someone the other way, somebody that I respect, and they were saying, you know, how much they admire the fact that. Even as 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 a man, as a male, as a as a leader, and so on, that you know, from time to time, that you know, that I would cry, and and I said, well, that I need to do that, 
you know, addressing a little bit of the subject that we just that, that was being commented. You know, one thing is to get upset and be be mad. The other thing is staying that way. I think crying allows us from growing from from a deep uh, sorrow position, from a very sad, you know, state of mind to release onto, you know, the world, and then, uh, for a lack of a better term, get back to business. You know, I think attitude is, uh, you know, we can't, I, we can't figure out why God did this or did that, but what we can do is adjust our attitude is move forward. And at the so same time, the we also have to be careful about, you know, rushing a process because some, there's been some literature that, you know, quote unquote, normal grieving should last six months to 12 months, but there's, it's all over the map. And we have to also be, I think, compassionate for our own grieving process. We have a caller on line five that I'm told that I will recognize his voice. I'm curious. Here we go. Caller on line five. Are you, uh, I recognize Stan's voice for sure. Welcome to Equal Footing. Can you hear us? I don't know. Is that me? Yes, you're on. <laughs> oh, there you go. You... <laughs> Wonderful. Hello, Uncle so Marty. Right, or call or five. <laughs> um, I, I want to maybe make a different direction for our conversation for the moment. Cause yeah, I know we only have a couple minutes. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, we're hearing a lot about loss. My contention is that we never lose them and that the people that are near and dear and beloved by us are in our lives forever, and and especially our families of origin. And I have, uh, God bless, had the fortune of having my parents into the later lives, Holocaust survivors who dealt with death all their lives, but they stayed with me until their late 80s and early 90s. So they, they've been in our lives. They make who we are. They're the fabric of how we are here, our families of origin, and they don't go away ever. And I'm sitting next to my wife who lost her parent, her father at 31 years old and her mother at a later age. Uh, when, I mean, sorry, when I, when my wife was 31, um, they stay with us. We still process stuff. Uh, you know, as I shared with you earlier, Khalil, I'm still processing issues with my dad. I'm still aware of the way he, who he made me to be, the wonderful ways he made me, the issues and the challenges I have. And they stay with us. And, you know, I lost a dear friend I played tennis with uh, twice a week for 10 years. He was murdered after he said to me one day how blessed and lucky we are to be able to be here playing tennis, and he's gone. So I think of the infusion of that blessing to me that he gave me and the challenges and the wonderful person my father gave me. So, you know, it's, I'm not belittling the sadness of death, God knows for sure. Ricardo, to, to, to my Uncle Marty's, lit, my literal Uncle Marty, who I, I love to hear his, his voice. Thank you for calling in. Have, have you been able to continue your relationship with your father even after his kind of earthly body has, has passed? Or how has it yes. continued? Uh, yes, I, I, I have. You know, my father was, um, we call him Nono, which means, um, um, you know, grandfather in uh, Italian. We're 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 Italian family, and uh, I don't think there's a week or a couple of days here at home that no no doesn't show up in a conversation. Uh, you, you know, 
and I can see the trend. The trend is less about sadness or what happened and more about life lessons, more about memories together. Uh, I was questioning a few months ago. I, I, I had this, 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 this feeling, what, what do I do? With all of these years, you know, with, 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 that I've been with my father, you know, I'm, I'm about six years old. All these this decades and decades of memory, that where did they go? Yeah. They, they live and then on now I, I'm, in our memory. Sorry for the interruption because we're coming up on time to live on in our memory. It's a beautiful note to conclude on. And also it, it, it helps us to also reflect on our own our own wrestling with the inevitable end. On that note, Ricardo, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I want to play just a, a poem here by the, the great Khalil Gibran on death as we conclude. The Prophet by Khalil Gibran on death. Then Almitra spoke, saying, We would ask now of death, and he said, You would know the secret of death. But how shall you find it unless you seek it in the heart of life? The owl whose night-bound eyes are blind unto the day cannot unveil the mystery of light. If you would indeed behold the spirit of death upon your heart wide, unto the body of life. For life and death are one, even as the river and the sea are one. In the depth of your hopes and desires lies your silent knowledge of the beyond. And like seeds dreaming beneath the snow, your heart dreams of spring. Trust the dreams, for in them is hidden the gate to eternity. Your fear of death is but the trembling of the shepherd when he stands before the king whose hand is to be laid upon him in honor. Is the shepherd not joyful beneath his trembling? that he shall wear the mark of the king? Yet is he not more mindful of his trembling? For what is it to die, but to stand naked in the wind and to melt into the sun? And what is it to cease breathing, but to free the breath from its restless tides, that it may rise and expand and seek God unencumbered? Only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing. And when you have reached the mountain top, then you shall begin to climb. And when the earth shall claim your limbs, then shall you truly dance. And when the earth shall claim your limbs, then shall you truly dance. Rabbi Andrew Sklar's Ricardo Sidale, thanks for joining us tonight. Happy New Year. Thanks.